In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The companions of Jesus and the women that followed him from Galilee stood watching these things. They were watching the acts of men and also, whether they knew it or not, watching the acts of God. There was an inscription over the cross that said, This is the King of the Jews. And those who knew the scriptures well would have known that as Jesus came down the Mount of Olives on that donkey and made his way into the eastern gate of Jerusalem, going to the temple, the fact that he was riding a donkey meant something. Because those who knew the scriptures well in Jesus' own day would have known that these were signs of some type of messianic event because they would know that the scriptures said that the Messiah would in fact come through the east gate of Jerusalem to visit Jerusalem and the temple again. They would also know that just like Solomon a thousand years before who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey that Jesus was somehow connected with the kingdom of David. And so those who would see this would have in their mind what's going on here. And that's why the Pharisees said, control your disciples. And Jesus said, if my disciples don't say anything, the rocks around this place will shout for joy because the true king is coming into Jerusalem. And so we have these acts of men and also acts of God that everyone is seeing. On a day like today, we often talk about what is happening on the cross and make a reference to our own self, our own devotion. But I'm going to span back today and try to capture some great themes that are taking place. And then at the very end, we'll talk about our devotions. Jesus is fulfilling in all of his ministry and in his entry into Jerusalem. And then finally, as the king of Israel, he is fulfilling the entire story of Israel, lock, stock, and barrel. He, in fact, is inaugurating and initiating the new covenant, the new covenant with Israel and Judah where sins are remembered no more and the Spirit of God will come into the hearts of people and that they will know God from their very hearts. He is also becoming the final sacrifice, the final offering to God the Father that sums up all of the sacrificial history of Israel. Finally, once and for all, the offering that is accepted by the Father for the sins of the world. Jesus is, in fact, becoming the very mercy seat. As the apostles, after the resurrection, inspired by the Spirit, reflected upon what happened on the cross, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, they would say that Jesus has become the mercy seat 
the hilasterion in Greek. It's the place of the mercy seat where the blood was sprinkled and expiated, cleansed, and wiped away. So Jesus is also becoming the very temple, the temple of God, the place where God dwells, and heaven and earth are now connected forever. So Jesus is fulfilling the entire history and story of Israel, for Israel, and for the entire world. We are gospel people. We know this term gospel. It means good news, right? Well, there was a time when this good news had no reference at all to Jesus or God's people, for that matter. The apostles took this evangelion, this good news, and they made it their own. Before the apostles grabbed that term, in fact, it was a term used by the Roman Empire. And there was the announcement or proclamation of the good news that something had happened in the Roman Empire that changed the world. If a new Caesar ascended to the throne, there would be a proclamation of good news because that changes the whole world because there's a new Lord for the entire world or at least the world of the Roman Empire, if there was victory in battle and they were conquering a whole other nation, there would be a proclamation of good news that things have changed in the whole world because the maps needed to be redrawn. It would be on CNN, everywhere around the world, that something has changed the world. Well, the apostles... They took this term and they applied it to Jesus himself because this good news that has changed the world took place, in fact, on the cross. So Jesus, as the king of Israel, is also changing the entire cosmos and Jesus is the king of the world. Now, how does that work? It works like this. In the cross... There was the defeat of the powers of evil. There are unseen powers and forces that fuel the evil and the violence and the hatred of this world. It is this fuel for sin itself. And what the apostles teach us is that on the cross, Jesus defeated these powers and defeated sin itself. And this is a mystery of God, it's hard to understand, but Jesus, in fact, absorbed all of the sin of the world and exhausted. Jesus takes on and bears the sins of the world and does not return evil for evil. Rather, as a saying to the Roman soldiers who had just crucified him and nailed him to the cross, And as a symbol for the entire world, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And so, this sin-bearing and this absorbing of sin and this uh, taking sin and exhausting it in in his own self, in fact, defeats sin and the powers that fuel sin. Uh, Ron Rollheiser, in an excellent book, 
says in simple language, Jesus took away the sin of the world by taking in hatred and giving back love, by taking in anger and giving out graciousness, by taking in envy and giving back blessing, by taking in bitterness and giving out warmth, by taking in pettiness and giving back compassion, by taking in chaos and giving back peace, and by taking in sin and giving back forgiveness. Jesus bore and absorbed and exhaust the sin of the world and the powers of the world. And in fact, Paul would even say that God sent his son in the likeness of our own flesh and God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. Interesting to note that it doesn't say God condemned you and me and it doesn't say that God condemned Jesus. It said God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. Now, we do not know how exactly all of this works. We do not have to actually articulate how all of this works because it is a mystery beyond our articulation. Because at the very same time, these are human acts of cruelty, of retaining power, of vengeance of murder, of execution, but they at the same time are acts of God because what they meant for evil, God meant for good. And so this is an extraordinary thing, an extraordinary aspect of what God is doing. So Jesus, in the grand story of fulfilling Israel as the king of the Jews, In another story, he is the Lord of the world because he himself has defeated sin and the powers that fuel sin. And also, this gospel has to do with Jesus as the very king of life. Because, now this is a a little complicated, so uh, if your mind has been wandering, uh, you're going to have to come all the way into focus to get this because we don't talk about this very much. And uh, this is an important aspect of the death of Christ. In the death of Christ, Jesus, who really dies, who is really dead, descends into Hades or the place of the dead. We say that in our creeds. Jesus really does go into the place of the dead. Well, guess what? Where our human nature in the flesh of Jesus goes, so goes the Son and Logos, or Word of God. And so God, for the very first time, enters into death through the flesh of Jesus, and when God's life is in the place of death, it gets totally destroyed. And it opens up, and death can no longer forever trap people, but our physical death now is simply a passageway into the eternal life of God. And so that only happened because Jesus, the Son of God, died and entered into death in order to open up or destroy death. 
And we very frequently don't mention this aspect of the death of Christ. We focus on the death of Christ and then on Easter, well, that just happened afterwards. But they are absolutely interconnected, the death of Jesus as the king of the Jews, summing up all things for Israel, the king of the world, summing up all of the powers and sin itself, and then finally, the king of life who defeats death. Well, uh, I want to mention uh, one other aspect, and that's the personal aspect. These are grand themes that are revealed in Scripture, uh, the, the themes of the story of Israel and what God is doing in the world and making a new creation is what lies ahead uh, and that death has finally conquered all of these things. I started this sermon out by stating that the companions of Jesus and the women that followed him from Galilee stood watching all these things. Acts of men, but we believe also acts of God. But we no longer are outside the story. We are in fact insiders because in that very body of Jesus, the same body that was entering Jerusalem as the king, the same body in whom the crucifixion took place and all of the work of God, in that same body, we have been baptized into it. We are in union with the very place and person where all of this took place. So we have inside intuition and knowledge that we can't fully articulate, but we have been baptized into the very body of Christ. We've been baptized into his death and resurrection. We are people who are called the body of Christ. We, in fact, feed on the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, the risen presence of Jesus himself in the Holy Eucharist. We have a meal of the new covenant that we participate in. We, in fact, are enlivened by the very Spirit of Christ, by the Holy Spirit. So we are truly, by God's grace and mercy, because God loves us, we are truly brought near and close to Christ and His body and all that His body has done for us. So on this Palm Sunday, we remember the grand themes of Jesus summing up the whole life of Israel as the final sacrifice, as the inaugurator of the new covenant, as one who is the very new temple, the presence of how heaven and earth connect together. We acclaim Jesus as our Lord, the Lord who is Lord over all of the powers of sin and also the Lord of life who uh, redeemed us and makes it possible for us to have eternal life. So this day, as we come as insiders, as the body of Christ, may we dwell in him and worship him and receive him and remain in him. We have a chance to enter into his body 
in his life over this next week. And I hope that you'll make every effort to attend as many services as you possibly can on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And then we will celebrate this great victory over death on Easter Sunday in him and with him as his body, the body of Christ. Amen.